Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of the Luna's Galaxy podcast. My name is Emmy, but you can also call me Luna and I'll be the host of this show. The Luna's Galaxy podcast goes live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast services on Tuesday every two weeks. For this episode, we have three segments, gaming news, what I've been playing, and questions. But before we get started, if you would like to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd very much appreciate it. Be sure to comment, like, subscribe on YouTube as well. I said that out of order, which is kind of weird, but anyway, let's forget about that. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into gaming news. So, interestingly enough, and I don't think... I could be wrong about this, but I personally haven't seen Spike Chunsoft do this before for any other games. So, I don't remember when they did this. It was a few days ago now, maybe a week ago. Um, Spike Chunsoft posted this survey for I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. This fan survey, basically, you know, asking questions about people's experience with the game, um, how they found out about it, just like typical marketing type questions that you would expect to get in that type of survey. And it was about Isomnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, and they said on the tweet and like everywhere they posted it, they said that this will help them for future planning. So (laughs) I know last episode I talked all about Isomnium Files, Nirvana Initiative. That was my spoiler cast. And one thing I said was, you know, I'd like to see a sequel. And it seems like that is definitely on the table. Like I said, last episode, Uchi has kind of been hinting that he wants to do a sequel. Whether or not this has actually been greenlit yet, obviously we don't know. But it seems that they're definitely interested in doing some sort of DLC, some sort of sequel. That was actually one of the exact questions on the survey was, would you be interested in a sequel for Nirvana Initiative? So a lot of the questions are basically like, how did you find out about the game? Did you participate in the Hidden Bats ARG? Um, did the Hidden Bats ARG convince you to buy the game? And just those usual, like, is there anything else you'd like to tell us? Would you be interested in a sequel? What kind of merchandise would you be interested in? Basic marketing questions. So the survey, I believe, is still up. I don't know how long it's going to be up for. Maybe it won't be by the time that this episode is out. I'm not sure. But it is on Spike Chunsoft's social medias. So if you have played Isomnium Files Nirvana Initiative, please take the survey. Please let them know that you want to see more of this if you want to see more of this, because, whew, I really, I really want it. (laughs) Also, there is a question that asks if you have, like, any favorite streamers or content creators, if you want to shout out Emmy Luna Games. (laughs) I would very much appreciate it, but yeah, be sure to take the survey if you haven't already. There are not any spoilers in the survey, so it doesn't ask any, like, story-related questions or even, like, favorite character. Like, there's nothing really about the game. Obviously, you can put that in the, like, do you have anything you want to tell us part, but there aren't any spoilers in the survey, so if you haven't finished Nirvana Initiative yet, you can still take the survey. (laughs) Although, obviously, I can see why you'd want to wait to give your full sort of feedback, but take the survey, please. (laughs) I really want to see more, so just just do it for me, okay? Just say that you, you played it and, you know, do the survey, please. It'll help them out, hopefully. And so next up, Gamescom Opening Night Live is happening on August 23rd, and it's supposed to be about two hours long, so your typical Jeff Keighley showcase where it's like, oh, we're really, we're really, um 
testing our limits with time, aren't we? Um, and I'm hoping to stream this. Obviously not 100% sure yet. It's hard to see like two weeks ahead in the future. Who knows where I'll be at that point. But I am hoping to stream it. I also saw somewhere else that there's supposed to be about 20 games. There's a few that have been previously announced. Some new announcements, etc, etc. And I believe I also saw on Twitter that the new Sonic game is going to be shown off at Gamescom opening night live. So it's going to be that as well. But hopefully there's some cool surprises. I don't have high hopes. I feel like the last few Jeff Keighley shows haven't been at the level where I want them to be personally. Which is a shame because I think that Jeff Keighley can do really good shows. I think of, you know, some past game awards and I thought they were really good. You know, there was some really good Game Awards announcements where, you know, we got Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fueled. We got Persona 5, Joker, and Smash. Like, there have been some really good announcements at the Game Awards. But it felt like, at least last year, maybe the year before, I can't remember exactly. It feels like they've been in a bit of a slump with Jeff shows. Um, even Gamescom last year, it was fun. I think that was when they showed off, like, Saints Row and Dokev, which, man... I haven't seen that game in a while. Is that, did that come out? That, like, I don't know what happened with that game. I just remembered that. Um, but yeah, I just want to see more. Like, I, I remember feeling like the Game Awards and Summer Games Fest this past year weren't, as especially Summer Games Fest, weren't at the level that I would like them to be. And so, you know, the thing with Jeff Showcase is just that they're so long. And if it's not going to be really good quality, I don't know why it's so long. Anyway, I hope it's fun. I'm probably going to stream it. So, we'll see about that. I hope it's not a shit show. And our next news. So, this is from Benji Sales on Twitter. If you're not following him, by the way, you should be. Posts a lot of really interesting stuff. And he posted that Grand Theft Auto V has now reached nearly 170 million units shipped. Which is insane. I mean, this has to be the best-selling game of all time, right? I, I haven't, like, looked that up. But, like, that's insane that's an insane amount of copies to sell of a game and I have Grand Theft Auto 5 for the PS3 and I I didn't really get into it I was like really young I just anyway it wasn't really my thing but I want to try it again at some point but I don't think I want to go back to the PS3 versions then I'm like I'm going to be one of those people in like 2022 that's buying Grand Theft Auto 5 for like PS5 I'm contributing to the problem. I, like, I'm probably going to because I don't want to play the PS3 version. <laughs> but it is what it is. And roughly 5 million of those copies that were sold were sold last quarter alone, which is even more like mind boggling because so many, probably the majority of games and, you know, so many like AAA or even AA games, they don't reach 5 million copies in their lifetime, and that is kind of changing, you know, games are selling more now than ever before, but 5 million copies just last quarter is wild. <laughs> like, Grand Theft Auto 5 is insane, and I think when Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out, I can't even imagine, I think it's gonna be wild. But anyway, apparently a Pac-Man live-action film has been announced, I don't know much about it, God knows what that'll be like. I don't know why it's live action, but hopefully it's not um, terrible. Anyway, really interesting news. So Zero Time Dilemma. I can't believe I'm saying Zero Time Dilemma in the gaming news section. Zero Time Dilemma soundtrack is getting an official release in September. 
So I'm sure as many of you know, Zero Time Dilemma is the third game in the Zero Escape series, my baby. And it came out six or seven years ago? Six years ago now. It came out six years ago. It was announced seven years ago. I'm getting my things confused. Zero Time Dilemma came out six years ago. And it's just now getting its official soundtrack released. I think 999 and VLR have already had their soundtracks, like, released in the physical format. Apparently this is the first time for Zero Time Dilemma, which is wild. And it's coming out in September. I'm really hoping I can get my hands on it. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not used to, like, importing things. I don't know how it'll work. But, like, fingers crossed I can get my hands on it because I will take literally anything I can get for Zero Escape. And so one interesting thing is that there's going to be six unreleased tracks, which is, like, very exciting to me because I really like the Zero Escape uh, soundtracks. And so I'm so hyped. There is going to be a version of Morphogenic Sorrow, which a lot of people have speculated. So there was one Zero Time Dilemma trailer. I think it was one of the later ones that had a version of Morphogenic Sorrow in it that, like, was never in the full game. And so people are speculating that that's the version of Morphogenic Sorrow that is, like, one of the unreleased tracks. And so that's cool. There's also a few other ones, which, like, I don't know what they'll be. But I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really hoping that someone please post those tracks online if I don't get the CD myself. Because I want to hear these songs. <laughs> so that's really, really cool. Like, I'm, I'm nerding out about it. But anyway, really, really cool. And so our last bit of news is that Kingdom Hearts Dark Road is ending on August 26th. That is when, well, I mean, not really ending, but that's when we're getting the finale, the final update for it with the story and everything. And like, personally, I don't really care. <laughs> like as a Kingdom Hearts fan, I never cared about Dark Road. And I think that just goes back to, I don't care about Xehanort as a villain. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I literally think that Xehanort is the weakest villain in the entire series, and he's, like, the big bad, so, like, anyway. Maybe it's because he's bald. I don't know. Maybe I don't like bald people and I am ageist. I don't know. But I never liked <laughs> Xehanort. And so I don't really, I mean, I didn't like young Xehanort either, though. So, yeah, I think I just don't like Xehanort. And so I don't care. I don't care about his backstory. I don't, I don't fucking care. So I'm probably not going to play it myself. I'm probably just going to see what happens on Twitter that day and get all of the news from there. That's kind of what I did when Union Cross ended. I didn't play it myself. I just, you know, I saw what y'all were saying. I was like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> so that's probably how Dark Road ending is going to go for me. But what I am excited for is hopefully finding out more about Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, which is supposed to be in beta this year at some point. Um, I'm much more excited for that than Dark Road. I think that's more promising I think I could probably get into that, because I did, there was a time where I was really into Union Cross, but that never happened with Dark Road. I feel like I can get back into Kingdom Hearts mobile games, hopefully, with Missing Link, so that's what I'm more excited for, you know, wrap up Dark Road, and let's do Missing Link beta in, like, November or something, I don't know. So that's where my head's at. But anyway, that's all for gaming news, there hasn't really been much going on, so not, not much to say. <laughs> It's gonna be a bit of a shorter episode, I think, but I know I say that all the time, and it's like, oh, we're at the hour mark. Anyway, hopefully this is gonna be a shorter episode, because last episode was, like, over two hours, which was wild. So, let's move on. <laughs> so, let's talk about what I've been playing. So, I'm still playing Final Fantasy XIV. I'm almost finished Heavensward. I think, you know, by the time I record the next podcast, I will be finished it. I'm at, like, the, the final chunk of patch quests. So, that's where I am. I'm really enjoying it, and... 
I don't know if other Final Fantasy XIV fans will agree with me on this. I think they'll agree with me for Realm Reborn, but I don't know, continuing forward with, like, Heavensward and even the other expansions, how true this will be. But my experience so far has been that the patch quests are a lot better than, like, the base expansion or, like, base of Realm Reborn. I think the patch quests are so much better, and it's hard to describe. I don't know if it's just because they feel more focused, they feel more... I don't know. There's something about the patch quests in Final Fantasy XIV that I enjoy so much more than, like, base A Realm Reborn or base Heavensward because I feel like, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, the base expansion or base A Realm Reborn, it's, like, almost like the groundwork for the patch quests, if that makes sense, where, like, things really pick up and the story really gets, you know, entertaining and it keeps you on your toes, Whereas I feel like maybe just the base expansions are, like, the groundwork for that. They're kind of setting the stage for it. I don't know. Final Fantasy fourteen fans, let me know what your experience has been. Because maybe that's just me. But I'm, like, I, when I finished base Heaven Sword, I was confused. I was like, why do so many people love this? <laughs> like, as much as they do, you know? Because it was good, but I wasn't, like, blown away by it by any means. But playing the Heaven Sword patch quest, I'm getting more into it. And I'm like, okay, I see why now. Because this is a lot more entertaining. So, I don't know. Let me know, Final Fantasy fourteen fans, what you think. Because that's just been my experience. I've also been playing some more Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. And I didn't know this. So, this isn't really a spoiler alert. You can't really spoil Captain Toad. But it took me by surprise, okay? So, I was playing it. And I finished all the Captain Toad stuff. And then there was credit roll. And I was like, oh, this is so cute. Like, whatever. And then you unlock story two where you get to play as Toadette. And so I didn't know. I had no idea that that happened. And so I was so excited. I was like, oh, story two. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, I'm ah, more Captain Toad, right? But then you get to play as Toadette. So the first, I guess, story in Captain Toad is, you know, Toadette gets taken away by this big bird thing. Captain Toad has to save her. Then when you get to story two, it's like the exact same thing, only Captain Toad has been taken away. Now you got like Captain Toadette that has to save him. And it's just really cute. I like playing as Toadette. It makes me really happy. And I haven't played too much of Toadette's stuff yet. Um, but I'm like, I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> so I was like very pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh my god. I love Toadette. Anyway, any chance that I can play as a female character, I will take it. Feminism, anyway. I also played some Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I played the new tracks. We did a community night. It was super, super fun. And just some thoughts about some of the, the tracks. Really loved Waluigi Pinball. It was so good. I love that song. That song is so good. But, I man, Waluigi Pinball. I see what you guys were talking about. It is so good. Um, another track that stood out to me was Calamari Desert. So, this is, you know, an N64 track. I played a bit of N64 as a kid and you know again kind of on the expansion pack I did I dabbled with it we will say and so I'm familiar with Calamari Desert and I always remember getting annoyed with the train and it running me over as a kid etc etc anyway <laughs> so they changed up Calamari Desert and how it plays in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe of uh, the new tracks and so like the first lap is what you would expect and then the second lap you kind of like go on the train tracks and at first, I was like, did I, like, accidentally do a shortcut or something? Because, like, I'm familiar with, you know, 
the original calamari desert. And so I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> but the second lap, you were like on the train tracks and it's really cool. So like you kind of have to avoid the train if it's, if it's coming. And I thought that was super cool. Like what a good adjustment because, you know, I think the calamari desert is fine, but you know, when you get used to it, it's a bit plain. You have the gimmick of the train, not wanting to get hit by the train. But like other than that, I feel like the level is more on the bland side when it comes to just aesthetics and style. And so I think adding that in the middle where you're on the train tracks is so cool. It works so good. That was one of my favorite things. Um, what were some of the other tracks? I liked the new Sunday themed one. That one was cool. Oh, Mushroom Gorge. Mushroom Gorge is fun. It, I, I feel like it's just like the Wii version, which is fine. That's perfect. That's what we want. Um, the colors I find look really good when you're, like, actually in, like, the gorge, like, the cave part of it. I thought it was pretty. Anyway, I really like the new tracks. Very excited to see what they do next. And I also replayed Crash Tag Team Racing on stream. <laughs> and I'm, like, I feel like, you know, I know that I love this game, okay? But sometimes I feel like, is there something wrong with me? Because so many Crash Bandicoot fans fucking hate this game. <laughs> And I'm not saying you're wrong, but it is so fun. Like, does it have the same mechanics and platforming and blah, blah, blah as the other Crash games? No. But is it still fun? Yes. And, like, I think that's all that matters. Like, it's, just, it's a fun game. I don't think it has to be this, you know, groundbreaking thing to be a good game. <laughs> like. I don't know why so many people hate Crash Tag Team Racing. So this was PS2 era. I'd, I had it on the PS2. I think it was multi-platform, whatever. This was Crash Bandicoot Racing game, but it also has platforming segments, which is actually probably more of the game than the racing. If you're doing like the main story, like you're mainly doing platforming and exploring and you're in this amusement park and you have to, you know, unlock the different parks and get the power gems and the power crystals and race and all this shit. And... It's fun. So the different themed areas are really cool. There's one where it's like happily ever faster, where it's like themed off of fairy tales. There's like a desert kind of amusement park area. It's almost like if you went to like Disney World and then you had like Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom. It's like that, only though it's like fairy tale world, desert world, space themed world. It's really cool. There's like a prehistoric area where there's like dinosaurs and shit. It's like just the aesthetics of it, I think, are cool enough. And, like, you get to really explore those areas. So, you know, if you think of traditional crash games, you know, you're just kind of on a straight line for the most part. You might have some branching paths, but you're pretty much on a straight line throughout the level. But Crash Tag Team Racing is, has more of an open world, which, like, it's not really an open world. It's more like a bunch of hub worlds almost. But you get to explore them, and it's really fun. I don't know why people dislike it. You know, the platforming... There's not really much in there that's difficult. <laughs> it's very straightforward. It's pretty easy to, like, find everything. And I don't know, maybe just because i played this game so many times. But, like, I really love exploring the worlds. You can, like, buy power crystals off of the park employees who have these really weird fucking outfits. And they're really weird. Like, the dialogue in this game is really funny. Um, like, some of the employees will talk about, like, having student loans and they're selling this crystal to, like pay off their student loans or like one of the employees kind of like indicates that he stole the crystal from like the amusement park 
whatever. There's just really funny dialogue. And another thing with the dialogue is that, you know how you can, like, spin as Crash? You can, like, spin into and attack, like, all the NPCs in the game. So, like, Coco, Crunch, the amusement park employees, the kids that are at the amusement park. You can spin into everyone and they all have dialogue, which is like, ah, like, what are you doing? And a lot of the employees will be like, ah, and then they'll, like, name a part of their body. Only though it won't be a part of their body. It'll be like, it'll be like, oh, my pancreas. Like, it's not like, ow, my arm. It's like, oh, my pancreas. Or like, ow, my cerebellum. It's really weird shit. But it's so funny. It's such a goofy game. (laughs) I didn't expect to go on about Crash Tag Team Racing as long as I am in this episode. But I think it gets way too much hate. It's a funny game. It's a fun game. The platforming is fun enough. And I didn't even talk about the racing. So the gimmick with the racing is that, you know, you have these different characters that you can race as, you know, typical racing, I guess. But then you can, like, hit the triangle button and go into this mode where, like, you can merge your cart with another character's cart. And so, like, I usually play as Engine because he has the best bullets. And so if I'm playing as Engine, I can, like, merge and, like, me and Nina or me and Coco can, like, merge our carts to make this really weird combination thing and then like Coco will be driving and Engine will be shooting <laughs> and so you can shoot at the other cars as they're racing and it, it's so much fun I, I I never drive in this game I think that if you just want to play it as a racing game it's not good I think you know maybe that's why a lot of Crash Bandicoot fans don't like it because the racing isn't good however <laughs> if you just shoot it's fun it's fine and so I just feel like you have to take this game for what it is and not what you want it to be and have a lot of fun with it. Growing up, it was always one of my favorite Crash games. It still is. Do I think it's like objectively one of the best? No, but I think it's one of the funnest Crash games to play like easily. And a lot of that is just because of the charm, the quirkiness, the personalities, the NPC dialogue and the voice acting. Like it's just a fun game, okay? Crash Tag Team Racing haters, grow the fuck up (laughs) because it is so much fun. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. (laughs) So for the question segment for this episode, I kind of reversed it. I did like an Uno reverse on y'all. So usually for the question segment, (laughs) I will ask you guys a question. I'll read off your answers and I'll give my answer. It's pretty much how we do it here. But I thought I would switch it up this episode. And so instead of me asking you guys a question. I got y'all to ask me questions. So I'm going to be answering some of the questions that y'all submitted. And so I I haven't really done this before. So hopefully you guys had good questions (laughs) or not. This is going to be really boring, but anyway, (laughs) let's answer your questions. So the first question comes from QWERTY and they ask, do you like the old or new Discord server icon better? So I changed the Discord server icon. It's basically the same, only though it like matches up better with the Luna's Galaxy new cover art. And I don't know how I feel about it. It's like a very minimal change, but I don't do good with changes, even if they're good changes. So I don't know how I feel about it. We'll, we'll see. (laughs) Anyway. And then the next question I got was from Mila, and Mila asks, if you could have dinner with five fictional gaming characters, which would they be and why? Only one per series, so one FF character, one Zero Escape character, etc. 
So, you got me with the, um, with the one character per series, because I feel like right off the bat, I was like, okay, let's just name off a bunch of Zero Escape characters, right? But then I started thinking, and so, the first one that came to me was Tokiko Shigure from I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative, and my reasoning for this is that I just want to know what goes on in her mind. Like, let's talk about simulation theory. Let's, I'm just, I'm so intrigued by her. I feel like she could kill me, but like, I need to know. I need to just have a conversation with her because I feel like it would be a fucking time. And so following that, I would say Akane Kurashiki for very similar reasoning. I just feel like, like put Akane Kurashiki from Zero Escape and Tokiko Shigure from I like at the same dinner table with me like, boo, the conversations. <laughs> I feel like they'd be fucked. Like, <laughs> we'd just be like, conspiracy theories, pseudoscience, actual science, really weird historical facts. Like, that's just, <laughs> it could be so much fun. So after that, I was like, okay. I'm, I'm, like, struggling to think of characters in that same, like, realm that are from different series where we could just have these really fucked conversations. And so then I was like, okay, what would be really funny? <laughs> and so then I was like, okay. Toad. Toad from Mario. And my reasoning for this is just because I want to hear his voice, you know? I think that'd be fun, you know? Like, Akane's there, Tokiko's there, we're, like, talking about these weird things, and then Toad is just like, oh, what about the Mandela effect? Like, I don't... <laughs> like, I just think that would be so much fun. And then my next character is Crash Bandicoot for very similar reasoning. Crash wouldn't say anything. He would just kind of be there, you know? Like, he doesn't contribute much to the conversation because Crash doesn't really talk, right? But I, I don't know. I just feel like it'd be funny. <laughs> so Crash Bandicoot is there. He's just there. And then my last character is Sora from Kingdom Hearts because I, just, I love Sora. I feel like I would like to have a conversation with Sora. And I feel like Sora would be, like, really nice to, like, have at the table. I feel like he'd be, like, very nice to Akane and Tokiko. And just, like, very, like, oh, like, <laughs> I'm like oh, that's cool. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's my answer. Akane Kurashiki, Tokyo Shigure, Toad, Crash Bandicoot, Sora, and me all at a dinner table. Someone should write a fanfic about that or, like, draw that. <laughs> Can someone draw that for me? Maybe I'll, like, commission someone. <laughs> anyway. I think that would be really fun. The dream blunt rotation. Okay. Anyway. And then V had some questions. So V's first question is, what music have you been listening to lately? And I've been listening to a lot of music, V. I'm always listening to a lot of music, but I'll tell you a bit about what I've been listening to lately. So the other night, I was listening to songs that used to play at, like, middle school dances and just reminiscing. I don't know. Every now and then, you get in one of those moods where you're, like, throwback. And so the other night, it was, uh, like, middle school dances, which for me would have been, like, 2012 to, like, 2014, 2015. <laughs> so that's what I was listening to. So, like, Gas Pedal. Y'all remember that? Shake That Ass. Anaconda, like, those, those type songs, what I was listening to. That was, like, my peak. Anyway, 
I've also been listening to the Twilight soundtrack because I am back in my Twilight phase again. It happens. It happens every now and then. We regress. We go back to Twilight. We watch all the movies. We read some of the books. We listen to the soundtrack. It just, it's a vibe, right? The Twilight Renaissance. Anyway, so I've been listening to that. And if even if you don't like Twilight, I think you should listen to the soundtrack because there's like actual bangers in there that like I don't think you need to watch the movie to enjoy. Like, I mean, I think if you watch the movie, it, it sounds a bit better. Like, Supermassive Black Hole, come on. The baseball scene, anyway. But, like, Decode by Paramore is in there. Decode is, oh, that's such a banger. That's probably my favorite song in, like, the Twilight soundtracks. And it's so good. It is so good. If you don't listen to any Twilight songs, just listen to Decode by Paramore. It's so good. Especially if you like Paramore's music, but, like, somehow you, you've skipped out on, on that song. Um, it is so good. Please listen to Decode. I've also been listening to my usual mix of Love Live and Project Sakai songs. <laughs> um, right now, especially enjoying Utopia, which is from Love Live Nijisaki Girls. So this one is by, why, can, why can't I remember her name right now? Lanzu? Lanzu. It's by Lanzu. <laughs> I was like thinking Maya, but I'm like, no, that's the other character. No, it's by Lanzu. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, by the way, but anyway. Utopia, it is so good. Listen to it. It's one of my favorite songs, like, love live songs, period, which is saying something, I feel like. It is so good. And then Bitter Choco Decoration uh, by Nightcore 25, which is a Project Sakai song. That's also, I've been listening to that a lot, because that just came out on the English server, or just the worldwide server. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, that just came out on that server, and it's really good. It's really good. I really like that song. It's just, like, very... I don't even know how to describe it. It's really cool. I recommend listening to it. <laughs> what else do I have here? Okay, I've also been listening to the Nirvana Initiative soundtrack. Specifically, the song that plays when you're in the Nye's, like, headquarters building. It's just it's so ominous and atmospheric. Like, it came on when I was listening to music last night, and I was like, oh, this is... It's just good. It's a vibe. Anyway, then the last one is just my usual Avril Lavigne stuff. I listen to Avril Lavigne. I, I've loved Avril since I was a child. And I, I just, I listen to her all the time. Fantastic. My favorite Avril songs are I'm With You and Nobody's Home. Those are like my favorite. And maybe Losing Grip. Maybe Losing Grip is also up there. But I was listening to What the Hell uh, yesterday. And it was a vibe. So, yeah. I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> My taste is, like, all over the place, so I have that. <laughs> wow, literally. Anyway. Anyway. Another question from V is, what game are you most excited for? So, as you all know, my most anticipated game for a long time was Nirvana Initiative, but that has since come out, and I've since finished it. So now it's like, what am I looking forward to? And so right now, like, in the near future, I would say Harvestella, which, like, really took me by surprise um like they showed it off in the Nintendo Direct and I was like I didn't know I needed this game until now and I really think it's probably going to be a day one buy for me which I don't usually do with like new IPs usually if I buy a game day one it's a game in a series that you know I'm really attached to that I really want to play day ones like 7 Remake, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Kingdom Hearts 3 like those are the types of games that I buy day one but Harvestella just looks so good and, like, I feel like it's going to be so good. Like, it has those farming elements, it has those, like, JRPG elements. Everything I see of it, I'm like, 
this looks so good. And like, it looks like such a good Switch game too, where it's like, I could play it handheld or I could, I could play it on my TV. Like it just, I feel like that's going to be a really good one. So that's probably my most anticipated right now. But like in the future, future, maybe uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I'm really looking forward to that as well. But obviously that's, that's further out. <laughs> but both of those games, I think are going to be really good. So I would say that. Then V also asks, will you give Bruiser a kiss and tell him he's a good boy? Of course I will. I love Bruiser so much. For y'all that don't know, Bruiser is V's dog. <laughs> he is a very good boy. I love him so much. Every now and then V sends me pictures of him and I'm like, oh, he's just so adorable. Anyway, then V's last question is, do you like Lunchables? <laughs> yeah, I do. I haven't had a Lunchable in so long, but I love them. The only thing I will say is that I don't really like the meat in a lot of them. It's like... Because some of them you can get bologna, and the bologna's good. But there's another one where it's not bologna, where it's, like, I don't, I don't want to say it's ham. Maybe it is ham. I don't know. It's, like, a different type of meat, and that's, like, oh, I don't really like that one. But I remember being a kid, and, like, they had the pizza Lunchables, and I remember I would eat it all separately, which, honestly, I would still do now, because, like, I, didn't, I don't like sauce. I don't like eating things normally. <laughs> <laughs> the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, what the fuck? Um, I would just eat, like, the, like, pizza, like, crust-type bread thing. I would, like, eat that. And then I would, like, hand eat all the, like, little bits of cheese that you're supposed to put. Like, it's supposed to be, like, you have the crust, then you have the sauce that you put on, and you put the cheese on them. Never ate them all together. It was like, okay, let's, let's eat the fucking, the crust, the pizza thing. Then I'll eat some cheese. I'll eat the cheddar, and then I'll eat all of the white cheese. I, it, it's not called white cheese. What the fuck is it called? Mozzarella? I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, I like Lunchables. Let's move on. <laughs> and then Thronier asks, "Who are you?" My answer. Is who are you? Do some self-reflecting, Thronier. <laughs> I don't know. How do I, how does one answer this question? I'm Emmy. I'm Emmy Luna. I am Canadian. I like video games. Um, I'm a theater kid, unfortunately. What else is there to say? Um, I'm an adult, kind of. <laughs> I drink a lot of water. I'm very hydrated. Um, I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna have a crisis. Okay. And then Soy Sauce Asian asks, which character has your favorite design slash outfit? And this was a hard question because I feel like there are so many like really good character designs or outfits out there, but it was like really hard to think of them as well. And so I cheated. I have a few different answers. <laughs> Because there's just so much. So, Akane Kurashiki, just her 999 design is one of my favorites. And, I mean, I feel like I have to, like, put this as a disclaimer or something. Like, a warning that my favorite color is purple. And for some reason, almost all of my favorite fictional characters, or at least a lot of them, have a purple color scheme. And so, Akane Kurashiki 999 fits into that category. I like the purple. And, like, I don't know. I just... She definitely, I would say, has my favorite character design in, like, all the Zero Escape games. And, like, she just looks so cozy. Like, this nice purple sweater. 
And, like, does she have, like, the arm warmers and, like, leg warmers? Like, she just looks so comfy but still, like, really cute and pretty. I love her. That's, like, my dream cosplay. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I think that's that's definitely one of my favorites. And then Kyrie Kingdom Hearts 2 was, like, my favorite when I was a kid. So, I remember being a kid and playing Kingdom Hearts and just thinking that Kyrie Kingdom Hearts 2 with, like, her pink little dress was, like, the cutest thing ever. Like, the best thing ever. I was so amazed. <laughs> I loved her so much. I was like, ah, she's so pretty and I love this outfit. And that was actually the first cosplay I ever did was when I was maybe, like, 14. And I cosplayed Kingdom Hearts 2 Kyrie. And my cosplay wasn't, wasn't that good. But, man... It was like living a dream. I love Kyrie's look in Kingdom Hearts 2. It's one of my favorites. Um, I'd also say Aerith and Tifa in basically any game they're in. So I really like Aerith's like 7 remake design. Same with Tifa. I also really like Tifa's Advent Children design. Uh, some of Aerith's in the Kingdom Hearts series have also been really good. I just, I love them. I think they are perfect. Like They're not like complex or like too, I guess, flamboyant character designs. Which, you know, I, I tend to like more the more, like, colorful or, you know, like, what the fuck type things. But Aerith and Tifa are just beautiful in, <laughs> like, anything. So, I'm gonna say them. And do Toad and Yoshi count? That's my question. Like, Toad, Toadette, Yoshi, do they count? <laughs> like, obviously they don't really have outfits, but, like, just their designs. They're adorable. Like, I love them so much, and I kind of have an obsession. Like, I have two Yoshi plushies. I have one Toad plushie, but, like, then I have, like, a Toad, like, cart. Like, little, like, dinky. And then I have, like, these, a little Toad and a little Toadette. I have stickers. <laughs> like, I, j I really like them. I think they're adorable, so I'm gonna say them as well. And then I'm going to cheat. And I feel like this is, like, my real answer, but also not really, because I'm cheating once again here. So, as some of you may know, I play a lot of mobile gotcha games. So, Love Live, Bandery, Bang Dream Girls Band Party, Project Sekai, also known as Colorful Stage, Ensemble Stars. Those are the ones that I'm really into right now. And they're all rhythm games, and I love them. And so with these gotcha games, you know, the gotcha of it is to get these cards of these characters and like different outfits. And some of the like costume designs in these are so pretty. They are just so amazing. Like just Google them because like it's hard. I can't pick a favorite from them because there's literally so many. But some of the character and, like, costume designs in gotcha games, I think, are some of the best ever. They're so good. I think a lot of it is that you really get to play in those games with, like, different themes, you know, seeing the same characters in so many different outfits. So, like, a lot of these games have, like, a fairy-themed set or a mermaid-themed set and, you know, various other sets with different styles and different colors and different aesthetics. Like, it's just, there's so much and, you know, obviously you have some cards, like, that aren't as good, and, you know, outfits that you're like, what the fuck were they thinking with this? But so many of them are so pretty. And so, like, just Google Love Live All-Stars You Are, or, like, Bandori Pro Sekai Four-Star Cards, and you will see what I mean, because some of them are so fucking pretty. Like, one of my favorites recently has been Irie. She has gotten, like, a fairy card, and I got her. 
Um, but she's, like, so pretty. That whole fairy thing in Project Sakai was really pretty. One of my favorites when I was younger was Mermaid Nozomi from Love Live School Idol Festival. And, oh, I love her. <laughs> she, she was my favorite. She was my favorite. But, like, so many of those games have, and, like, there's just so much there, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's, I can't pick a favorite. But just trust me that those games have really good costumes, really good character design, and, like, that is, I mean, that's honestly kind of a reason why I played those games is to get those cards and to get those outfits because they're just so pretty. Like, the gotcha. Like, they really, they're really trying to get your money because there's some beautiful shit. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Then Trio asks, if you got sent to the past, what would you inevitably cause to happen sooner than expected? Example, making tea before tea would be invented. And this was a very hard one. And so I, I might have cheated a little bit. That seems to be a pattern here. But I would say, okay, hear me out. I would not put Wario's gold mine in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And instead, I would put Coconut Mall in there for, like, launch. When Mario Kart 8 first came out on the Wii U, right? I would not have put Wario's Gold Mine in there, okay? I would have put Coconut Mall. Because here's the thing. Am I happy that we're getting Coconut Mall now in Mario Kart 8? Yeah. But we all know that the DLC tracks that we're getting now are not near the same level in, like, graphics, aesthetics, etc. as the game as the tracks that were originally in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. They just there's I don't know if it's the lighting, I don't know if it's just like the colors that they're using. They don't quite hit the same. They don't look nearly as good as, you know, the previous tracks, the new ones that we're getting now. And if they do seem to be getting better, I will say that. Like Waluigi Stadium, I was really impressed by it seems like they're getting better, but they're still, you know, not not at the same level as, you know, when you play, like, Moo Moo Meadows, which is, you know, a Wii game, a Wii, a Wii track, but it looks, like, so beautiful. But then you compare it to Coconut Mall, and you're like, why did Coconut Mall, why does Coconut Mall somehow look a little bit worse than it did on the Wii? And so, yeah, I would, I would put Coconut Mall in just base Mario Kart 8, and so it would be prettier. <laughs> So it'd be better because am I happy we got Coconut Mall? Yeah, but like at what cost? It feels a bit like a monkey's paw situation. I don't know. So I would just like, I would chuck Wario's Goldmine or like, I don't know, some other course in Mario Kart. I just went to Wario's Goldmine because I don't understand why of all the Wii tracks they put that one in there when you have so many others. But anyway, Coconut Mall is what I want, but like I have it, but like I want it to be better. So that's my answer. Then Tolly Zoo asks, what is the full story of Bald Sora anyhow? So, Bald Sora's origin story. It was Christmas Day of 2009. <laughs> and, I was, you know, I was opening my presents from Santa and from my parents. And I opened this present. And it was a Sora, like, plushie. It was a Sora, not, I mean, he's not a stuffed animal, but, you know, a Sora doll, essentially. And I think I'd been looking at them on eBay for quite some time because I would just go on eBay when I was a kid and like look at Kingdom Hearts stuff and be like, mom, I want this. Anyway, I usually didn't get my Kingdom Hearts stuff that I asked for. 
And so it was Christmas of 2009, and there was the bald Sora. He wasn't bald at that point. <laughs> so I opened this present, it was this Sora doll, and he wasn't bald, okay? He's just a normal Sora doll. Does he look a little bit funky? Yes. He looks very strange, I'm not gonna lie. But this was, like, the best thing ever when I was nine years old, when I, you know, I fucking loved Kingdom Hearts. And, yeah, like... Back in the day, you couldn't really get Kingdom Hearts merchandise like you can now. Like, now you can go to, like, Spencer's, Hot Topic, even Walmart's, kind of. Like, you know, EB Games, GameStop, whatever fuck store you guys have. I don't know. I'm, I'm naming some Canadian shit. It's fine. But, like, now you can go pretty much anywhere that sells video game stuff, and you can find something Kingdom Hearts related, whether it's a figure or a Funko Pop fucking an art book you can get a lot of kingdom hearts stuff now and you couldn't back then you could only really get stuff online at least that was my experience as a kid and so i was so fucking happy when i finally got a sora doll and i also got um a Kyrie doll so my sora doll is his kingdom hearts one design my Kyrie doll is her kingdom hearts one design and then i have a riku doll who has his kingdom hearts two design and so I got all of them for Christmas in 2009, and there's actually a picture of me that some of you might have seen before. I think it's an emote in the Discord, actually, of, like, nine-year-old me holding up my Sora doll like he is Simba in The Lion King. Like, it's that type of energy. And <laughs> so, yeah, that's Bald Sora's origin story. I got him Christmas 2009, and then, like... I loved him, so I, I had him with me for a long time. But, you know, a lot of the stuff you get as a kid, especially, like, stuffed animals and stuff, you just don't have room for them. And, like, at least in my experience, I would, like, throw a lot of them in my basement and they'd get, like, really dirty. And so he's not quite as nice now because that, that ended up happening with my Kingdom Hearts dolls. I have them, like, on display now. But anyway, they're, they're not, like, they should probably be washed or something. <laughs> they're kind of gross. I think Riku has, like, a stain on his pants or something. Anyway, and so... I was, I was streaming. I started streaming last year and I had this point redemption where it was like nerd and I would show you like something in my collection. So like I have a big video game collection, especially Kingdom Hearts collection. And I was like, that's like a fun redeem. I have since gotten rid of it, but maybe I'll bring it back at some point where I would just show off like a part of my collection. And one day I was streaming and I think it was, yeah, it was Chain of Memories I was streaming and someone redeemed it. And I showed off my Sora doll. <laughs> I was so happy, right? And I was like, look, guys, I can even make him bald. Because the way that his hair is on the doll, you can, like, flip up his bangs to make him look bald. And so I, I like, flipped up his bangs <laughs> and, you know, kind of tucked them into his head. And I was like, look, he's bald, like, bald Sora. And there's a, the clip is on Twitch, by the way. I think it's, like, my most viewed clip is bald Sora. And, like, you could kind of see, like, some stuffing coming out of his head. Anyway, I was like, this is fantastic. And then people really thought it was funny when I showed off Bald Sora. And so then uh, I made an emote <laughs> for Bald Sora. And, yeah, I think you can probably still get this exact Sora doll, like, on eBay. Like, I've definitely seen them. Um, <laughs> so he is still out there if you want to get your own Bald Sora. But, yeah. That's, that's the bald Sora lore. <laughs> anyway, next question. 
So Adam asks, you are a newly employed game designer. You get to work on a series of your choice with the dev team of your choice. What are your choices? So this is easy. I'm going, I'm going to make Zero Escape 4 with Team Zero Escape. <laughs> That's ideal. Like, I don't even, like, I'm trying to think if there's anything else where I would really want to work on it. And I think it's just, it's Zero Escape Team Zero Escape. Like, that's it. <laughs> a very predictable answer, I know, but yeah, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be that. It's gotta be. And I'd rather work on Zero Escape 4 than, like, you know, I3 or something. I, I want to work on Zero Escape. <laughs> so, that's where I am. And then Adam also asks, what's your opinion on Fire Emblem Three Houses? And have you played any other Fire Emblems? So I really like Fire Emblem Three Houses. I have played other Fire Emblems as well. I played some more of the modern Fire Emblem games. So Awakening, I played Fate's Birthright. I have Echoes, but I, I've only played a bit of it. I had a DS game, a DS Fire Emblem game that I couldn't get into because it was like really hard and like it had the permadeath and I was like, fuck this. So I didn't get into that because <laughs> I suck. Um, so more of the modern Fire Emblems are what I have experience with. They're kind of what got me into this strategy RPG genre, which I don't really know if I've played any other strategy games, but like I'm interested in them now, you know, because I'd never even really thought of them before. And so, you know, they got me into that with Awakening, but I, I love Fire Emblem Three Houses. I like Edelgard. <laughs> And I finished a two out of four of the roots. So you might be thinking, why are there four roots? Well, Edelgard has a branching thing. And so I did Crimson Flower, which is where you stick with Edelgard. And then I did Claude's Root. And they were both good. Obviously, I'm a Crimson Flower type of girl. But Claude was cool too. And I really like the simulation elements of Fire Emblem Three Houses. Like exploring Garrig Mach and, you know teaching your students these different things where it's like it levels up a certain specific ability where it's like you know your axe ability or your sword ability stuff like that I like stuff like that and you know doing these little side quests and getting to kind of explore Garrick Mach like I said and doing stuff there um you know you can like cook and it'll up your stats and you know just little stuff like that I think the simulation mixed with this strategy works very well with Fire Emblem. And I think, I think Fate's Birthright played with this a little bit, but didn't go nearly as in with it as Three Houses does. And so I really like the sim elements of Three Houses. I think it fits in so well with Fire Emblem that I'm like, and same with like the school setting. I feel like it works so well that it's like, if we got another Fire Emblem, I kind of hope that they take some of that, even if it's not like the school setting. I hope they stick with some of the more exploring and simulation bits than, you know, sticking to just, you know, strategy and supports. Because I think it works really well. And that's probably what made it my favorite Fire Emblem game, or at least one thing that contributed to it was those improved elements. I also like the characters in Three Houses and just the idea of having these branching roots and being able to pick and focus with different characters. I really like that. You know, I think with Fates, they obviously tried to go for branching paths, but it didn't quite, it wasn't perfected yet because, you know, you have to buy two games and a DLC and blah, 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 blah. And so it's definitely more cash grabby, but I feel like Three Houses really, really nailed it in comparison. And so I really like Three Houses and I just, it's, it's my favorite Fire Emblem game for sure. 
Then Andre has some questions. So Andre asks, what's your favorite podcast episode of Luna's Galaxy and why? So I I really liked when we did the Luna's Galaxy Game Awards. I had so much fun with that. I did like a Google form and a lot of you guys filled it out. And there was questions, you know, what was your favorite game that you played this year? Who was like the sexiest character? Who was the best villain? Who was the best animal? Um, best story, best gameplay. Like there's a lot of questions on there. And I had so much fun with it, like reading your answers and giving my own answers. And I just thought it was super fun. And I liked how I did it where it didn't have to be games that released this year, but just games that you had played in that year. Because, you know, a lot of us don't play games the year that they come out, whether it's for money reasons or we just didn't have the time, whatever. And so, you know, I think it was just a lot of fun to talk about the games that we played that year without kind of the pressure of being like, oh, but it didn't actually come out this year, you know? And so I really look forward to hopefully doing that again when we get to, you know, January 2023 doing Luna's Galaxy Game Awards for 2022 because that was so much fun. That, that was a lot of fun. I really liked that. I also really loved um, some of the episodes I did where I did more like in-depth stuff with specific games. So I did that for Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. I did a bit of a deep dive. Really loved recording that. It's my favorite game of all time. Um, when I talked about Zero Time Dilemma, when I did that episode, um, and even when I did my deep dive on the Corpse Party series, um, I haven't listened back to those episodes to actually know if they're good or not, <laughs> like, if they're enjoyable and, like, how much of a good job I did with those episodes, you know, speaking from, like, a quality perspective, but I had a lot of fun recording them, so that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> but let me know, like, what's your guys' favorite podcast episode of Luna's Galaxy, because... I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I should do more of that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those were the ones I had a lot of fun recording. Andre also asks, would you ever have guests or collabs? I am definitely open to it. It's just that thing where it's like, I think about scheduling and you know, finding guests. And, you know, when you find a guest, what do you talk about? You know, it's one of those things where it's like, if I were talking about Kingdom Hearts, I'd want to have someone on that, you know, knows about Kingdom Hearts or like, and then it's like, would we go over gaming news together? Would it just be a topic of the show type thing? There's a lot to kind of think about there that I just haven't. <laughs> but I'm definitely open to it. I think I'm just kind of waiting for the right time and figuring out sort of the identity of Luna's Galaxy right now. And we're going to take in the future and all that stuff. Because I, I do think, you know, mostly I want this podcast to stay being just me talking to y'all. Because I think that's really fun. And from what I've heard, a lot of you really enjoy it. Like, I remember a lot of times I ask for feedback and some of it is, you know, guests, collabs and stuff like that. But I, I'm really surprised because, you know, when I listen to podcasts, almost all the, all the time, it's, you know, multiple people, whether it's two, three, four, there's always multiple people on the podcast. And so I kind of felt this pressure to do that with this podcast as well, even though I'm more comfortable, to be quite honest, doing it by myself. Um, but, you know, that was a real concern for me and being like, are people like really enjoying just listening to me? But a lot of the times when I ask for feedback, a lot of you guys say that you really enjoy just listening to me <laughs> and, you know, you're surprised by, I guess, how good the quality is being that it's just me. <laughs> and so I think a lot of people like the more chill and casualness of it, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I'm definitely open to it. I guess it's just figuring out how it would work and kind of waiting for the right opportunity, if that makes sense. <laughs> but 
but I'm definitely open to it. It's just kind of, it's more figuring out the logistics of it, of like, okay, how do we record it? How do I edit, you know, with two people, with two recordings, whatever. So that's more of, you know, the concern for me, but I'm definitely open to it, and I'm open to any feedback, generally, so, yeah. Andre also asks, finally, what do you love most about video games? Um, I think for me, like, they're just the ultimate medium. So, the combination of gameplay, story, music, aesthetics, etc. are all unique to video games. And so, you, know, you can watch a movie, but you can't interact with it in the same way that you would a video game. Or you can read a book. But then, you know, you can't see it in the same way that you would, like, see a movie. You can listen to music and, you know, whatever. It, there's a lot that goes into this. And so, you know, when I think of, like, big mediums, I always think of, like, movies, TV, you know, books, and music. Those are the ones that I usually think of. And video games kind of combines them all, but then adds in gameplay. And that's what I really like. And so, I, like, it just... You can make them all go together and you can do things with the video game medium that you can't do with the other ones. And, like, you could say that about all of the mediums, right? That they all do things that the other can't. But I really think video games are just the perfect combination. And, like, I know for me one thing is I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't even watch a lot of anime anymore. Because one thing is I find it, I find it more difficult to focus just trying to watch something than, like, actually interacting with it, which I think is why I play video games a lot. So the video games, you know, even if it's just pressing the X button to get through some dialogue, it's keeping me there. Whereas, you know, watching a movie, it's more of a passive thing. And so, you know, enjoying a game is more active. And I think that's another thing that I really like about them. But man, it's just, video games are so cool. <laughs> it really is like combining all of them because, you know, you get say like a story from a book you get even cutscenes in video games can play out in a way like a movie with like kind of cinematics of it and you can do things with video games that you just can't with the other ones and I love when video games do that when they do things where I'm like okay you know this needed to be a video game because there's a lot of video games you'll play and you'll be like okay this could have been an anime this could have been a tv show this could have been whatever but I really like when you play a video game and you're like this is such a good video game <laughs> like it doesn't just feel like cutscenes meshed in with some gameplay that doesn't really matter it feels like you know it was made for this medium and that's something I really love and I think that's what I love most about video games just the combination of all things that go together so well that do things unique that frankly other mediums just can't do and then Jay asks Okay, here's a fun question. If someone was to sync with you, what would Emmy's Somnium look like and what sorts of things would the sinker interact with to unlock your mental locks? So this was another difficult one to answer because I'm like, who am I, right? As Thronier asked earlier, who are you? Um, <laughs> and so I was like, huh, like how would I even go about this? Like, because a lot of the times I'm like, say I have the Somnium files, the Somnium has to do with a certain context. So, like, when you sync with So in the first game, it, it kind of revolves around stuff that you're just talking about. Like, when you sync with Mizuki, it's revolved around her mom because you just saw her mom die. That's not a spoiler, by the way. Because you just saw her mom murdered. And so that's what her Somnium is about. So it's like... But then you have those more general ones where it's, like, just Mayumi in the diner. Or, you know, there's some general ones. So I was like, huh... 
like, what, what would it be like if you sunk with me? Sunk? Synced? Synced. Probably not sunk. They don't say sunk, they say synced. Anyway. So I was like, okay. And this might be a weird answer. But I feel like it's a weird question, so maybe it'll work. So I feel like the Somnium, like, aesthetic, the area, whatever, would be my elementary school. Which is really weird, I know. But here's my reasoning for that. So, okay. <laughs> you ever have those weird places that you dream about all the time for some reason? <laughs> like, for me, it's my elementary school. So, a lot of times, it's like, it's not recurring dreams, but it's like, for some reason, so many of my dreams take place at my elementary school, in my elementary school, right outside my elementary school, for some reason. Like, it's a weird thing, because it's not just a school thing. I don't really get this with my middle school or my high school that much. It's always my elementary school in my dreams. It happens so much. And when I was kind of, like, drafting out this episode, I started getting a weird, strange deja vu feeling, and I realized that my dream last night, actually, was, like, on my elementary school's property. It wasn't in the elementary school, but it was right outside it, and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so just last night, I had a dream about my elementary school. It happens all the time. Same with just, like, in general, people I went to elementary school with. I have, like, they're in my dreams a lot, which is really weird, because once again, people I went to middle school with, people I went to high school with I don't talk to anymore... They're not in my dreams, but the kids that I literally haven't talked to in years that I went to elementary school with are always in my dreams. I don't know. Elementary school is like a very common theme in my dreams. I don't know. Someone psychoanalyze that or don't. I don't know what you'll discover, but so that, that, that's strange. So I would say it'd be like my elementary school. As for like mental locks. Okay. So <laughs> there was one area of my school's property that I went to all the time. It was like my favorite place. It was outside. It wasn't in the school. And I called it Kingdom Hearts. I'd always go there at recess, at, like, lunch when we were on break, even after school sometimes, before school. I'd always go to that area, and I affectionately called it Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> anyway. So, I feel like there would be a mental lock somewhere there. And here's another weird memory. And maybe this would be the final lock. Is in this Kingdom Hearts area, like, a bit away from it, there was this almost like, just like a hill, like a very tiny hill, almost more like a dirt pile than a hill. And I remember we found, me and my friends found a rock there one time, and it was shaped like a heart, and we called it, like, Kingdom Hearts Heart, essentially, because it was in Kingdom Hearts, my area that I called Kingdom Hearts, that we all called Kingdom Hearts, because I was crazy. And then this rock that was shaped like a heart, and we put it, like, on the hill, and we were hoping that, like, no one would find it, because, like, it was special, and I remember, I think it was either the next day or, like, a few days later, it wasn't there anymore, because we would, like, check up on it to make sure it was still there, and I don't know what the fuck happened to it, I don't know if someone took it out and fucking smashed it, or, like, hit it on me purposefully, or, you know, someone that didn't have any fucking clue what the fuck it was, I don't know, but I feel like that would be, I feel like there's some hidden meaning in that, because I always remember thinking that it was so cool that there was this, you know, rock shaped rocks. It was like, it was big. It was big. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's something in there. You probably have to, I have to interact with that area and then the Kingdom Hearts heart, except it was a rock, but it was shaped like a heart. But yeah, really tough question. Like, I wish someone would sink with me 
and fix whatever's going on in my mind. <laughs> like, I just want, like, I'm curious what my somnia would be like, too. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I feel like I could do some self-discovery that way. I feel like it'd be therapeutic. Anyway, probably a really weird answer, but that's my answer. Then Elbow Juice has some questions. So Elbow Juice asks, with the Nintendo theme park coming out, what's a game series you'd want a park themed after and some attraction ideas? I really like this question. So I've always wanted more Kingdom Hearts integration in the Disney parks. So probably just that, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe you could do like a Final Fantasy or just like a general Square Enix theme park or something. That would probably be like my second option. But I think you really, you just need more Kingdom Hearts and like, Disney World. Like, that's all I would want. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, is it plausible? Is it possible? Yes. Is it ever going to happen? Probably no. (laughs) I think the most you will ever see Kingdom Hearts in a Disney park would be if they put, like, sea salt ice cream there or, fuck, just some merchandise, really, because even there's really not any Kingdom Hearts merchandise in Disney, at least not when I was there many years ago. There was, like, no merchandise in for Kingdom Hearts and Disney, except for the Japan Epcot store, which had, like, two t-shirts. There was, like, nothing there. Once again, that was the era of Kingdom Hearts where you could not find merchandise anywhere. You can do that now. They, they probably have more now. I don't know. But, like, probably not more than your local GameStop, so. But, yeah, I would really just love more Kingdom Hearts stuff in a Disney park. And I this is my idea that I had. I think they could have a gummy ship-themed ride. So... There was a ride, it's like Peter Pan themed, I don't remember what it's called, but it's in Disney World, or at least it was, I don't even know if it's still fucking there. Anyway, there's this Peter Pan ride in Disney where you'd go on like this flying ship, right? And it was really like calm, it wasn't like a fast thing at all, but you'd go in this ship and you just kind of like lightly fly, it was inside by the way, and uh, fuck, it's hard to talk. You would just kind of fly and you would see like the different areas, I believe, of like Peter Pan and Neverland. And I don't remember much of it, but I remember it was cool. And so I think they could do that, but like theme it with the gummy ship. So like instead of getting in, you know, a flying ship from Peter Pan, you can get in a gummy ship themed little thing that you could go in. And instead of seeing, you know, different parts of Peter Pan and Neverland, you could just do something like the worlds as they appear on the map or something like that. You know, you could have the world, maybe you could have some sort of fucking projection, I don't fucking know. But I think it would be cool, I think it could work. Because, and like, here's the thing, it doesn't even need to be explicitly Kingdom Hearts themed, because you could just take it through the Disney world, you wouldn't need to include like Twilight Town or Destiny Islands, do I think that'd be nice? Yeah. But they could literally just do a gummy ship, then go through like, I don't know, the fucking the order that they do it in the first Kingdom Hearts game. So maybe it's like, okay, let's go to Alice in Wonderland, Olympus Coliseum, Deep Jungle, Agrabah, Halloween Town, stuff like that. I don't know how they would order it or what worlds they would include. It's fine. But like, I think that that, something like that would be really cool. (laughs) And I would love, love, love just some sort of Twilight Town clock tower attraction where you could be up really high and have sea salt ice cream. Obviously, they'd probably need, like, a barrier or something so that people wouldn't, like, jump off and kill themselves because it would also be quite dangerous. (laughs) But, man, I would just love to see 
that clock tower. And obviously, I think it'd be really hard to make it as actual tall as it is in the game. But something like that, just a big-ass clock tower that you can go in, you can get, like, sea salt ice cream, maybe you have some sort of restaurant, some other stuff in there. Maybe you could, maybe you could put the fucking recipes that are in Kingdom Hearts 3. Maybe you could have them and have, like, sea salt ice cream. You know, I think Twilight Town is just such a vibe <laughs> that that's what I would really like to see. I'm sure y'all know Twilight Town is, like, my favorite. Whatever. But... I think that would be so cool. I've always wanted that ever since I was like a kid when I was going to Disney World for the first time. I was like, man, this would be so cool if I could like go on Clock Tower and have sea salt ice cream. <laughs> so that's like my ultimate dream of like Kingdom Hearts integration into the Disney parks. But like I will take literally anything, literally anything. Uh, like I'm, I want it. I want Kingdom Hearts in Disney parks because it's so good. Like, Ah! <laughs> even if I could just, like, meet Sora, which, like, I don't think they would do, you know, have Sora as, like, a face character, like, you can go meet, like, Anna and Elsa, like, oh, let's go meet Sora. But, like, I, here's actually, I think I, did I talk about this in my Kingdom Hearts episode? I don't know. When I went to Disney World, um, I think it was the first, I think it was the first time I was wearing a Kingdom Hearts shirt and I talked to Peter Pan as a face character and he, like, started talking to me about Sora and the Keyblade and, like, all this shit. And I was, like, so happy. I was, like, living my best life that, you know, this worker dressed as Peter Pan knew about Kingdom Hearts and was talking to me about Kingdom Hearts. Like, it was a very special moment for me because I love Kingdom Hearts very much. And so that was a little, like, my core memories from that trip. And so... If I could meet Sora... I honestly... I think I'd cry. I'd be one of those Disney adults. <laughs> If I could meet, like, a, a face character Sora in Disney World, I would start sobbing, which is really embarrassing. But, like, I know myself well enough to know that I would get way too emotional over it. <laughs> Actually, another thing that I think would be really cool is if they had some sort of show themed around Kingdom Hearts. Or even if they just integrated some music from Kingdom Hearts into it. So, I remember watching, there's this show, oh my god, where is it? the Hollywood place, the Hollywood themed place in Disney World, the Disney Park. I can't remember what it is called. Anyway, that park. There was this show, I think, where it was like on the water and was it like Mickey's Fantasmic something? I don't know. I might be making shit up. And there's this part where they kind of show off a different, it's like projections on the water of different Disney films. I remember thinking when watching that, like, like, Hikari Orchestra version would go so good with this right now. <laughs> or, like, watching, um, like, the fireworks show. Like, I think there's some really good Kingdom Hearts music that they could just add into those shows, do, like, a Kingdom Hearts-themed show or something like that. I think that'd be so good. But I think even just the music would be, like, so good. Such a good fit there. You know, when you hear Hikari Orchestra version, it's one of my favorite Kingdom Hearts songs. It, it sounds so Disney. <laughs> like, it's almost amazing that they haven't already been using it places. So, I'd really love to see that. Ooh, I'm getting, I'm getting, like, myself excited over things that, like, are never gonna happen. Anyway, we'll get, like, Avatar in fucking Disney World, but not Kingdom Hearts. Anyway, let's move on. Apple Juice also asks, favorite Among Us map? I only really played, like, the first one, like, the classic one. I can't remember what it's called. 
but just like the basic one. I, I tried a bit of the other ones, but you have to like learn the layout and then like it's harder to be the imposter or like know what people are talking about because you don't know the map as well. And so I just kind of learned the first one and stuck with that. <laughs> I got that shit memorized. Elbow Juice also asks, which of the super groupies Kingdom Hearts watches would you buy? So I took a look at these and I think I would get Riku's. I like, I like the aesthetic of Riku's. Usually I'm more of like a light girl. Usually I'd go for like Kairi's with the pink, but I don't know. The Riku one is speaking to me. So I'm going to say that one. And then Elbow's last question is, if you could delete one game from existence, what would it be? So I would say Flappy Bird. Oh, wait. <laughs> that already happened. <laughs> Okay, so really, <laughs> I don't think there's any games that like I have personally played that I hate enough to just delete from existence, <laughs> personally. But there's a lot of weird hentai games out there, or just like those types of games. Um, and I'm I'm not a hater. Like I get it. I get it. Okay. I have nothing. There's nothing wrong with NSFW, like you know, sexual games. I don't have a problem with that. You know, whatever floats your boat, whatever the fuck, you do you. But some of them I know for a fact are fucking weird. <laughs> like, I don't want to go into detail. But I know for a fact that there's probably some weird shit out there that I don't even... Fuck that. So, delete them. Delete the ones that have, like, borderline illegal shit in it. And I think we're good. I think we're good. Or Danganronpa. Or Danganronpa as a series. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke anyway although am i am i joking am i joking <laughs> anyway thank you so much for your questions by the way i enjoyed your questions so much there were some really good questions that i really liked answering so i hope you enjoyed i hope you liked the answer that i gave your question because i mean i don't want to disappoint <laughs> i'm a people pleaser anyway Thank you so much for listening to the Luna's Galaxy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I will be back on Tuesday, August 30th. Holy shit, it's almost September. I mean, not really, but anyway. August 30th for the next episode, where we'll be discussing who knows what. If you want to be a part of the Luna's Galaxy community, you can join our Discord server. Link in the description. You can also keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch, where I'm at Emiluna Games. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye!